Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Today we're taking a look at Get Smart, the 2008 action-adventure comedy starring Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway, and of course, Dwayne Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my co-host and good friend, Charlie Guile. Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Got a lot of rock time in today and yesterday. Watched this movie yesterday. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thought it was uh, thought it was really funny. Definitely different than I remembered seeing it in theaters. I remember being a little bit disappointed in theaters, but uh, upon a second watch, it's really good. Yeah, I agree with you. This there's a lot of a uh, lot of really fun stuff for us to break down today. But before we get into that, we do have a special announcement. You might have seen on Facebook or Twitter, but we're having another Rock Talk tank top giveaway. Uh, this one is the hashtag DJUSA in celebration of America's birth. We're giving away another beautiful, one-of-a-kind Rock Talk tank top. All you've got to do is review us on iTunes and send us a message at facebook.com slash rocktalkpod letting us know that you have submitted a review. Uh, we'll be picking the winner at the end of the month, so make sure you get your review in before August. But before we get started, we also have one more announcement, and that is that we are featuring another guest jabroni. Our great friend Grace Osella is joining us. Grace, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing very well. Very excited to be here. Reviewing one of my more favorite movies. I watched this one. This was like a classic as a kid. I owned the DVD, but haven't seen it for a number of years and just rewatched it yesterday. I think it held up, actually. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about it today. And I'm really excited to have you here because this is the first time that we've been able to bring a female perspective <laughs> to this very dude-oriented, at least thus far, podcast. So I'm, I'm excited to get a whole other yeah. perspective on The Rock's favorability. I'm happy to be a female friend for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Grace, we could not be more thrilled to have you here. Uh, before we jump into our news, do you want to... Uh, can you tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself? You know, like... What are, you, what are you doing right now? Sure, yeah. Well, right now, um, I am a DC tour guide uh, specializing in segways, but I also do bikes. Um, so, yeah, I take people around the city, talk about the sites and stuff. So much trivia. Yeah, lots of trivia to be had. Actually, one of my favorite things about Get Smart was I think they did, they did justice to uh, showing DC off accurately. My one complaint, which I already mentioned to Charlie... They, they do this every time. They showed the Smithsonian, and they did it wrong. He walked into the Smithsonian Castle, walked through the entrance of the Natural History Museum, and then ended up in the American History Museum, and that's just wrong. <laughs> uh, so that's honestly my biggest complaint with this movie. But, you know, it's okay. We can look past it. If that's your biggest complaint, then yeah. this has got to score pretty high. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Grace, what's what's your favorite rock movie? I, I think it has to be Get Smart. Now, you know, I don't, I'm not as big of a fan as The Rock as you two are. I don't think anyone is. But um, this is a pretty great movie. But, yeah, so I, I would have to say Get Smart, I think. I'm glad to have you here, then. Yeah. Uh, and and so you love this movie, but what's the first time that you ever remembered experiencing The Rock? What's the first time you ever saw him? Sure. It would probably be, I don't know, a long, long time ago, back back in the Disney Channel phase of my life where The Rock was uh, advertising for his, his movie, The Game Plan, I guess. And I saw a lot of commercials for him on, on the Disney Channel. I was like you know, I'm probably not going to go see this movie, but this guy seems like a pretty decent dude. I'd, I'd be his friend. I'd hang out with him. So um, that was probably my first introduction to The Rock. Opinions haven't changed much since then. I'd still probably want to hang out with The Rock. 
he seems oh, like a pretty sure. pretty nice guy, you know. I feel like that's ninety percent of his of his like draw. Yeah, everyone wants to hang out. Like with him. it, it's kind of crazy. Like you would think some a guy that's that like large and built, like how is he still not super intimidating? It's 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 a skill, I'd say. You know, like his charisma just like completely overpowers the fact that he's like a massive dude. So good for him. <laughs> and kind of like uh, adjacent to that is we have an, one last question for you, and this is something that we we like to touch on pretty much every episode of this podcast do you think the rock is sexy or attractive and this is the first time we've gotten it from the female perspective so this is big for us this seems like a really stupid question obviously i think the rock is sexy i mean how can you not think the rock is sexy (laughs) see but i think a lot of the the problem is when you look at him in movies today like the fast and furious series He's he's so massive that it's it's beyond the scope of any normal human. It's it's hard to even put some sort of attractiveness label on him because he looks so far from any person I've ever seen in real life. Um, but when you go to these older movies, uh, back at the earlier part of of the two thousands, he looks like a normal human, and I think that's a that that goes a big way. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point, Jordan. I I have to agree with you on that. I would say you know even in his latest or well, not his latest but one of his latest films, Baywatch. He's too built. I would say that. Yeah. His, I don't understand like when someone's neck becomes so large that it just sort of sinks <laughs> into his shoulders. Like that to me is like a little too much. So yeah, I, I would have to say earlier Dwayne The Rock Johnson is definitely my preferred Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but he just seems like an all around great guy. But he was People's Sexiest Man Alive last year. So yeah. apparently mm. that's what more people like. But I feel like that was still before like peak bulk up. I don't I know. I think peak bulk up was around pain and gain. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. But to me, he seems the biggest in that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we could go back and forth on how big The Rock is all day. <laughs> uh, but we've got a lot of podcasts to get to. Grace, we're so glad to have you with us. So and uh, here. Charlie, how about you get us started with some uh, news of the week? Mazel! That's fantastic news! Yeah. Okay. So we have three pieces of news this week. Uh, some big stuff. First of all, this is something that was posted a while ago, but it's just now getting traction online. So one question I always had watching these movies, especially the Fast and Furious movies, is who is Dwayne Johnson's stuntman? Because he's such a a unique-looking person. Finding a stuntman must have been uh, a really tough task. Well, I have an answer to that question. Apparently, it is his cousin, Tanoi Reed. This guy, he he, uh, has Instagram posts showing the two of them together. And I got to say, they look a lot alike. What do you think, Jordan? I think it's a pretty stunning resemblance. Uh, I do. I do say that. I think. I will say. I think that the stuntman uh, looks a bit like a maybe a Jersey Shore version of the rock. <laughs> it's kind of like a like a strange, uh, uncanny valley, but, but yeah, but, but very. He's Jersey almost Shore-esque. there, but not quite. I mean, I guess that's why he's the stuntman, yeah. not the star. Yeah. I also have to say, it kind of. I you know, I always knew there was a stuntman. There had to be, but it it almost breaks my heart a little bit. Uh, to see behind the curtain and, and have to even think for a minute that it's not Dwayne Johnson doing all of his stunts. Oh, the movie magic is gone. Yeah. Ugh, it hurts. It really <laughs> Second piece uh, on an upcoming Dwayne Johnson movie. We finally, finally, finally got a trailer for the next Jumanji movie. This is a movie that was pretty controversial when he announced it because people thought it would be a sequel. How can Dwayne Johnson replace Robin Williams? People really upset about it online. We finally saw... The first trailer. Let's take a listen. Wow, this is a fun group. Welcome to detention. Spencer, Bethany, Fridge, Martha. You're all here for a reason. Hey, person walking. You should be thinking about who you are 
and who you want to be. You'll have plenty of time to figure that out while you're cleaning out the basement. Are you gonna help or are you too pretty? I'm too pretty. Yo, what's this? A game for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. Jumanji. You pick a character and you're that person in the game. Which one do I pick? I don't think it matters that much. Moose Finbar. Sounds like a badass. I'll be the curvy genius. Dr. Smolder Bravestone. I guess I'm Ruby Roundhouse. the rest of me. Oh my god. Fridge? Yeah, I'm Fridge. Who are you? It's me, Spencer. Who is she? Martha? Why am I wearing half a shirt and short shorts in the jungle? I think we got sucked into Jumanji and we become the avatars we chose. So that means Bethany? Oh, wait, Bethany? Don't look at it! <gasps> I'm an overweight middle-aged man. Well, I don't have my Claritin, and all I see around here is pollen. Well, I don't have a top two feet of my body. Damn, that is a man right there. Don't cry, don't cry. Don't cry, it's gonna be okay. Welcome to the jungle. This is a video game, which means we all have special skills. What am I running so slow? That was so intense. I like Kent even with this place. Watch your step in here. Maybe we're all in a coma. What? That old game machine must have electrocuted us now we're all Oh my god! You better get in there and save her. I'm not gonna get in there. You get in there. I got a backpack on. You don't get in water with a backpack. Everybody knows that. So Jordan, what did you think about that trailer? I thought it was okay. Uh, you know what? I did. I did think it was okay. I actually thought it was pretty funny. I love the cast. Uh, I, I know I, I was telling you guys before we before the show. I think Jack Black is absolutely hysterical. Uh, I think this is a perfect role for him. I really also don't mind that there's no board game. I, I kind of like that they've taken this new modern spin with the video game. Uh, I kind of like it. You know, what what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, retro gaming is really big right now. So to make that look like almost like a like a super nintendo game and uh update it in that way i thought it was i thought it was interesting i think they're gonna make it different enough to where it'll be sort of in the same vein as as jumanji but not necessarily a sequel maybe like ideally it would be enough to capture our imagination uh via nostalgia but also different enough to where we wouldn't be constantly comparing the two and right now it looks like they've kind of straddled that line what about you, Grace? Yeah. Um, this looks like a pretty fun movie coming from an opinion of someone who has not seen the first Jumanji film. What? Oh, Yeah, wow. I know. How am I not... How am I friends with you guys? Oh. I know. it's. I'm sorry I'm dropping this bomb on you right now. I can leave if you want. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. That, so what do you think of... You think that the it cast looks like, is a the hit The cast looks great. I yeah, think the, the cast, cast looks... looks I mean... You can't go wrong. Kevin Hart and Jack Black in one film. Like, you would think that might be too much... But I think this movie, like, it's going to be just the right amount. And it looks fun. Like, I would probably go see this movie based on the trailer. So Yeah, I wonder if there's going to be any controversy 
with Jack Black playing uh, like a woman. Like, oh, see, I, I thought that was kind of funny. I think it's funny. I think it's funny too. But I'm yeah. also, uh, I know sometimes I can be accidentally insensitive. Yeah. But I don't know. I could kind of see maybe where somebody could get offended by that. I have to. I think it's right down Jack Black's alley, though. I mm-hmm. mean, if anyone's going to pull it off, I do think it's Jack Black. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with funny. that. Yeah. Well, you saw uh, Nacho Libre for the first time this past week, huh, Jordan? <laughs> oh, gosh. So that movie, uh, I'm a change man. <laughs> that, I mean, I mean I, I'm mean, i having a blast. We're, I'm loving doing this podcast. The, the, the amount of material that Jack Black is providing in his films is pretty close to what we're getting here. I mean, he's someone, <laughs> I find his decisions uh, absolutely fascinating. And Nacho Libre was a delicious joy all around. Tell you that. Uh, yeah, yeah, my favorite Jack Black movie is probably the this, the Rich, Richard Linklater movie, Bernie. And it's not really your typical Jack Black movie. And I think he's like a more talented actor than we give him credit for. But this isn't a Jack Black podcast, <laughs> at least not yet. So we have one piece, one more piece of news to get to. Earlier this week, The Hill reported that uh, Elizabeth Warren and her husband are huge Ballers fans. They love watching the HBO show Ballers, which is hysterical to me. So uh, when Dwayne Johnson heard about that, he sent her a tweet. And the tweet reads, can't wait to meet Senator Warren one day. She's got a big rock-sized hug coming for all the ballers HBO love. She's a baller. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, I like how he interacts with people that you wouldn't necessarily expect him to interact with. Well, this is, this is the rock's appeal. I mean, this guy transcends all boundaries, political, cultural, entertainment-wise. And, you know, it's funny that, that, it's, that it's ballers in, in particular we're going to have to break down an episode or two of this show. I know we've talked about it a few times, but if if Senator Warren's behind it, I feel like we're missing out on something over here. Yeah, one of my bosses absolutely loves it. So, yeah, it's something that I haven't really delved into. I've watched a few episodes of. Uh, maybe the way we'll do it is we'll do an episode per season. I don't know. Just spitballing here. But maybe that's something that's doable in the future. You want to break down the movie, Jordan? That has got to go to work. All right, and with that, let's just break down this movie. There's a lot to get through. It's a 2008 action-adventure comedy, as we mentioned. With a budget of $80 million, uh, this movie cleaned up pretty well at the box office, making $230 million. Not a total surprise given the star power in this film, but we're going to do things a little bit differently today. I know we usually break down these movies act by act and give you our thoughts on The Rock's performance in each act. Since The Rock is third build, uh, and it's really not a, a Dwayne Johnson picture, what we're going to do is very quickly get the plot out of the way. Charlie and I are going to go back and forth, reading you a synopsis so you get the gist of the movie. Then we're going to go through each of The Rock's scenes. There's not that many, uh, so it's going to be a, a you know a perfect fit for the time that we've got on the podcast. Um, and we'll be able to break those down in greater detail. So without further ado, let's get into the plot. It starts off with Maxwell, a.k.a. Max, uh, Max Smart, played by Steve Carell. He's an analyst for the top-secret American intelligence agency named Control. He yearns to become a field agent like his idol, Agent 23, played by Dwayne Johnson. When Control headquarters are attacked by the terrorist organization Chaos, almost all of Control's agents' identities are exposed, leaving only Agent 99, played by Anne Hathaway, as a viable field operative. Max is then promoted to become field agent field agent 86, excuse me, and he is partnered up with Anne Hathaway, uh, agent 99, who is reluctant 
uh, to join him because of his pretty much all-around incompetence and lack of experience. And the two infiltrate the mansion of a Chaos chief bomb maker in Russia, and they end up tracing nuclear material to a Chaos nuclear weapons factory disguised as a Moscow bakery. Realizing that Max was alone during his key discoveries, Control believes Max to be a double agent. 99, who has been gradually falling in love with Max, is heartbroken, but takes Max into custody. At this time, Chaos plans to detonate a nuclear bomb in Los Angeles. While Max is in the Control holding cell, Dollop sends him a coded message via the radio show American Top 40, alerting him to Siegfried's plan. Max escapes, arrives in Los Angeles, and reunites with the chief, Agent 99 and Agent 23. He convinces them that he is in fact not the double agent. When his Geiger counter equipped watch picks up traces of radiation from Agent 23, uh, Agent 99, the chief, and Max all realize that Agent 23 is actually the real double agent. So Dwayne Johnson's character, Agent 23, takes Anne Hathaway's character, Agent 99, hostage, and he flees in a vehicle. After uh, a, a long car chase, Max manages to rescue 99, but in the struggle, the car set on fire and forced onto the railroad tracks. Uh, the only way that Max can distract Agent 23 so he can escape is to kiss him. He and 99 are thrown off the vehicle before it collides with the freight train, killing Agent 23. After analyzing uh, Agent 23's nuclear football, Max realizes that the bomb will be triggered by the final note of Beethoven's Ode to Joy. They rush to Disney Hall, saving the president and Los Angeles. Whew, so there you have it. That's, that's Get Smart in a Nutshell. It, yeah. if, it's, if it sounds like a lot, it's because it is. It's almost two hours, this movie. This movie is pretty much two different movies. One of them, I would argue, is... Max Smart, played by Steve Carell, becoming an uh, an analyst and, and showing his desire to become a field operative. And then the other movie is this entire nuclear bomb double agent business uh, that takes place in Los Angeles. Yeah, basically you have an origin story and a mission in the same movie. It's something that can be done. It's usually a balance that, you know, superhero movies have to strike. Uh, but they're, I think they're a little better at it than this movie. Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed the f- uh, the first half of this movie. I, th- I thought it was hysterical. It's goofy. Mel Brooks was a consultant on this movie, and I think it really shows. I think Steve Carell shines through. The Rock is in it quite a bit more in the, in the first half, I would say. But then you're right. In the second half, when they actually have to deal with plot devices rather than gag after gag, it gets a little boring. I was a little bored. What did you think, Grace? Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. I thought, you know, all of the little goofy things they did were just really great um building up steve carell's character you know you really see at the beginning his dedication to the agency and he really like all he ever wanted to be was a field agent so like that's a really heartwarming story i got up to make lunch like halfway through and was surprised the movie was still going on when i came back i was like wait and then it was like this like completely different plot and i was like oh i definitely missed something here yeah so yeah so the the ending definitely felt sort of like someone was like wait we didn't have enough car chase scenes in this movie let's throw one into the end here but overall, you know, it was a fun, it's a fun movie. They kind of, they, they, they're laughing at themselves the entire time, which is the part of it that I really enjoy. And yeah, it's, I, I think overall, it's, it's a perfectly good movie. And I know I've said this about other Dwayne Johnson movies, but this one especially, it's a good cable movie. You catch it on cable, you don't have to watch much of it. You'll, you'll laugh through the first half of it. And then uh, when they start getting to the action, you can keep flipping the channels. Uh, I, I know we could 
this isn't a Steve Carell podcast, but I think it's worth talking about some of our favorite gags. Jordan, what was your favorite uh, thing that Steve Carell did in this movie? So I, I have to say, I, I do think that Steve Carell was hilarious. I think Anne Hathaway also uh, crushes this movie. I think this is one of her, her most endearing performances. I think she's really a likable uh, character in this film. As for my favorite Steve Carell gag here, there are so many to choose from. I found it pretty hysterical when he, about halfway through the movie, he's forced to, in a scene where he's infiltrated this chaos ball, essentially, he's forced to dance with <laughs> a, a a woman from, that's from Russia. At the dance from Russia. And it's pretty funny. I mean, he's he's it's he's with this this woman. She's I mean, I think the gag she's comically overweight, but the whole running gag in the movie is that Steve Carell's character uh, was at one point like four hundred and fifty pounds or something like that. I loved all of the those flashbacks. Clips, the flashbacks. Oh, they were so funny. <laughs> of him being chubby. Oh my gosh. It reminded me of and we haven't gotten to this movie on the podcast yet, but in Central Intelligence they did that sort of thing with Dwayne Johnson where they have flashbacks to where he was really overweight. And it's funny. It, it worked for that movie, and it really worked for this movie. And and I know like we've kind of touched on it uh, before we started recording here. This movie is is fairly insensitive several times throughout. And this, you know, to make fun of, like, the gag here, though, isn't the weight. I think what's hilarious about this scene it is It started that off he, as, the, as that, but then, yeah, you're right. It, he plays like, sort it of redeems... so straight. Like, yeah. like he's playing it as this as this straight man, straight faced. Like he's kind of like Cary Grant. Like he's this. The, the what's hilarious is that he's 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 dancing with with amazing and magnificent grace and with this hilarious hilarious like suave way about him that you'd expect from a James Bond type. I I just think he played it so magnificently, and I I was I was really impressed. Yeah, you're right. There are parts where it is a little insensitive. You know, they make. They sort of poke fun at uh, people who are overweight in that scene. There's another scene where, uh, actually, it's right before the scene that you're talking about, where Steve Carell, his backstory is that he's a, a deaf manservant or something, and so he makes sounds like a deaf person might make. Uh, and then there's this other uh, one that I thought was just bizarre towards the end of the movie. They have this big set piece where... Uh, Steve Carell is dangling off the back of a plane off one of those signs. And I guess the the sign is like a like, like a hot a, like a yeah. suicide hotline number. And I guess the the gag is that people would see that and think it was ironic because he's hanging off of it. Yeah, like he's trying to kill him. I don't know. Yeah. It was There's a there. few uncomfortable moments like that. Yeah. yeah. They're definitely there. It's not uh, 100% of a hit. But I would say my favorite Steve Carell gag and it was a small one. It was when he is trying to sneak through the mansion later on after the party. And there's this beaded curtain. Oh, yeah. There's a beaded <laughs> curtain. And so he, like, tries to, like, get through it quietly. And the minute he touches it, all the hundreds of beads <laughs> fall off the curtain and get all over the ground. And then later, one of the bad guys <laughs> slips on it. And he looks at Anne Hathaway and he goes, see, I planned that. So I thought that that was The really best funny. part, I think, of that scene, though, was... All of the beats fell except for the one he was holding on to. And then the second he let go, the last strand just sort of <laughs> fell to the ground. And it's like, yeah, that was beautiful. Oh, that man. was a good moment. Yeah, the, Steve Carell's comedic timing. I mean, he is a comedian, so Do it's not surprising. Do you want to talk about the bathroom scene, but, Grace? 
Oh, do I? I don't know, Charlie. That was your favorite scene. No, so I don't no. Know if... It was my second favorite oh, scene. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So probably one of the best scenes I think we can all agree on in this movie is uh, there's a scene very early on in the movie when Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway's characters are sort of just getting into their mission. So they're sort of trying to figure out, you know, who they need to link up with to, you know, continue on with the mission. And so Steve Carell's in the bathroom and he overhears a conversation happening that he thinks might lead them to their next spot. And in order to hear these men speaking when he's in the bathroom, he has to stop peeing. (laughs) So it's just this this most beautiful... Honestly, the entire time, I'm like, like, obviously, Steve Carell is not holding his blinder. But it's just like to think that you could. It's it was just like so masterfully done, and and just like the awkward silence that ensues because obviously the men that are having a conversation notice every time he stops peeing every thirty seconds, and they look over, at and him. they look over, and there's just this beautiful awkward silence. So he starts peeing again, and it's just right. it's just so masterful. Again, and the whole gag is in the sound. Oh, it's it's and it's so simple, but it is so funny. And but but you know like these other clips that we just talked about, this all happens in the first half of the movie. The second half of the movie is notably less funny, and I don't know what happened, but this movie drops off pretty much right after the Charlie the bead scene that you mentioned. That's kind of the end of, at least for me, when this movie you know that was really the entertaining portion of this film. After that, it kind of kind of became it didn't really know what to do with itself. Yeah, I I agree, and I I wouldn't know exactly where to pinpoint it, but pretty much when uh, Maxwell Smart, Steve Carell's character, uh, gets accused of being a double agent, uh, I did get a little bored until the very last scene. But this, like I said, this isn't a Steve Carell podcast, so I think it's time to move on to the rock scenes. So Jordan, do you want to start out with uh, where we first meet the rock in this movie? Sure. Uh, So we meet the rock pretty early on, uh, just under five minutes into this film, we're introduced to The Rock's character, Agent 23. He walks in wearing a gray suit. Uh, he's got he's got hair, notable for The Rock. Uh, and <laughs> it's he an looks, early Rock movie, that's yeah. how you know. He I looks, like him with hair. I think he looks nice. Yeah, well, yeah and this is, you know, like we, a normal we mentioned, person. Yeah. he looks, exactly, he looks like a normal human being. There's this funny moment where he, he kind of blows a kiss to the receptionist, but then runs into a wall, kind of <laughs> Kind of humanizes him a little bit. Uh, but he walks into the control headquarters and gets just an immediate standing ovation. I think we should just play... I know we have a clip of this one. So maybe we can just give you a sense of, of what it's like when he first walks in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back, 23. Oh, Maxie. So how was the assassination? Maxie, you know assassinations are specifically prohibited by Executive Order 12333. <laughs> 23, you killed me. Uh, I could if I wanted to. Yes, you could. Oh, oh, did you see that face he made? That's scary. Six months work. I wanted to mention one thing here before we get to the next scene. The Rock blows a kiss at the receptionist who grabs it with her hand, runs her hand, her dirty hand, across her face, and then puts it into her cleavage. 
It was just bizarre for this uh, notably PG-13 movie. <laughs> oh, what? You've never had that happen to you? You've never, uh, you've never had a kiss uh, you know, when I and stuffed in the Blow computer. kisses at strangers, uh, typically the reaction is not that great. Yeah, I usually throw him in the trash when he does it to me, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you wouldn't with The Rock. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. Different story. You'd rub completely. your dirty hands across your face. Yeah. I but don't this... think her hands are that dirty. <laughs> She's Everyone's hands typing are on a dirty, Grace. Every right single person's She's hands typing are on a keyboard. Just filthy. She's in a public office. Yeah. <laughs> of course her hands are dirty. I'm sure she has hand sanitizer up there. Okay. Not but the this, point. This is a nice scene, though, because it does set up the fact that that uh, Max and Age of 23 do have a little bit of a friendship, camaraderie. Oh, it's a know, straight yeah, up romance. They have a, yeah. Like, it's, it's nice, though. Like, you know, it's... The fact is that Max is kind of this nerd at this at control, and Asia Twenty Three is is the absolute dude. I mean, he gets a standing ovation, and all that we've seen up until this point is that Max is bumbling kind of this dummy. So I, it was actually to me really a nice touch to let Rock be kind of a big brother character. Yeah, it was it was as if the Rock was the star quarterback on a football team, and he was best friends with the Water Boy. Mm, there, you, there you, you know there you have uh, it. <laughs> and that's the thing about Steve Carell's character in this movie is that he's obviously very smart but he's, he's also very thorough and a lot of people don't keep up he writes yeah. these reports that are you know hundreds and hundreds of pages long and all these jock type field agents are always sort of steamrolling him um, so, and that's kind of what leads to uh, The Rock's second scene uh, they're sitting in a control briefing talking about the mission that everyone's about to go on, and one of the field agents starts harassing Max during this briefing and says, uh, hey, I'm just texting my wife telling her that uh, I'll be home in 23 years or whenever Max's briefing is done. And then The Rock grabs uh, that character's phone and breaks it in half. So he, he stands up for Max. It's a nice moment. Uh, but one thing I had a hard time doing, thinking, especially thinking back now is they didn't foreshadow the fact that The Rock was a double agent at all. Yeah. No, and, and that's a major problem uh, as far as the plot's concerned because like we, you know, this movie, you know, Grace kind of alluded to it. It's it's so disjointed. Um, and if you happen to pick this movie up <laughs> in the second half without seeing the beginning, like, you know, like you never would see this thing come. Like it's, it's such, they're... It's like shoehorned in. Yeah. Yeah, they, they had to have... Uh, a villain or something like they had to create some sort of extra wrinkle at the end but it's really awkward and and it's uh, to me upsetting because they spend so much time at the beginning building up the the friendship between these two characters what it kind of reminded me of is oftentimes in james bond movies uh the bond girl turns out to secretly be a bad guy with no foreshadowing that was okay back in the 60s (laughs) it's not okay from a movie not okay with a movie from 2008. Speaking of 2008, I think it's it's hysterical in this movie. It's so outdated. There's all the so technology, many, all, yeah, all the technology is super outdated. And I think it's because it falls in this weird timeline where the movie is too new to be the tech, like too new for the technology to be like crazy outdated, like in 80s or 90s. But also, this was the, like during production it was right before the iPhone came out oh. and after this movie came out the iPhone had already been out for like a year so basically this movie technology wise was outdated when it came out 
The thing that got me that about it being so outdated, there were so many George W. Bush references in it. Yes. Which oh, are yes, you're absolutely hilarious right. to watch because it was like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff we used to talk about all the time. Yeah. I think the one that got me was the nuclear one. When he, he, oh, right. They're like running down and the president, I forget who plays the president, but the president said nuclear and then the... Uh, control it, nuclear. Uh, it's nuclear yeah that's and it right. was just so good because but like yeah like but you know yeah probably you know t- 20 years from now when people pick this movie up they're like why, why did they say that well even now <laughs> right i like, think yeah. people would kind of do that like there's a lot of references to oh well the vice president's being a real jerk yeah <laughs> it's like are those shots at dick chain <laughs> It's funny that this, you know, those are the things we used to care about in our politics. Those, right. are, the, those are the complaints we used we used to have, and now we're living in in, a, in an entirely different kind of hellscape. That's true. They really do need a sequel to this movie uh, <laughs> to show us. Uh, Jordan, you want to go over the next time we see The Rock? Yeah. So it, it's it's a little over three minutes later is when is when The Rock returns. This is during a training exercise, uh, and The Rock is with Max, and he they're wearing all black. Uh, with a bulletproof vest, which is an odd decision considering they're playing what appears to be paintball Yeah, they're in firing the dark. paintballs at each other. <laughs> so, not sure why The Rock felt it necessary to, to to vest it up. But again, it's sweet. There's, you know, Max takes a shot and hits a guy and, and they're all making fun of him. And then The Rock is, you know, The Rock says, you know, he was lying, Max. It was a good shot. So, it's really sweet. And I, and I think we have a clip of this one, too. And I think it's worth hearing. You get a little bit of of the rock's physicality at the end of it too, and you get uh, so a little Steve Carell deadpan in this. So uh, yeah, you're right. I think we should play the clip. Missed me. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm out. He was lying, Max. It was a good shot. Thanks. I am so sick of training. I want to get out in the field. Give it up, 23. It's just you and Maxi Pad against the six of them. Oh, gee, Maxi Pad. I've never heard that one before. I never have actually heard that before. Whoa! 23, you're bleeding. Ah, uh, it's a knife wound from the last mission. My blood gets pumping and starts to see. Hey, Maxine, why don't you come over here and we'll play a little game I like to call Let's Go to the Dog Show. I put a collar on you and make you my bitch. Ah! Oh! I think I really got inside his head. I am not proud of what I just did. Game over, chatty Cathy. Game over, and I say it's over. All right, so, and, and you know, I know we just touched on it, but it it's kind of sweet, right? Like, this is, they kind yeah. of have a sweet thing together. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the way they play off each other in the beginning half of this movie. Yeah, and uh, I know I said that there wasn't really much to foreshadow this part but the one little breadcrumb that they leave us back in the early parts of the movie is you know the reference to the rock's knife wound starts seeping anytime his blood gets pumping that comes back later on uh when they're questioning him outside of the uh, disney orchestra hall uh, and they discover he's a double agent i do have a problem though because at one point uh one of the field agents on the other team says you know, it's just you two versus us six. And then the rock dispatches of all of these guys. I know it's tough to hear in an audio clip, 
But basically, The Rock takes out every last one of the people on their team. But I only counted five people that he KOs. So there was somebody else lost in that training exercise. He, he took a bathroom break, you know. He went, he went to lunch. So, Grace, I, I know that we talked a little bit at the beginning about, uh, you know, you find The Rock's physicality attractive. In this film, I would argue that this is probably the moment uh, in which he displays that athleticism. Is I mean, did you find this to be an, like impressive? I was. Oh, I yeah. thought this was a pretty impressive self-defense little moment. But at the same time, in you know, when you compare it to some of the stuff he's done now, it kind of seems you know pretty pretty low low impact almost. Yeah, I'd agree, I'd agree with that. I mean, they were shooting paint, paintballs. This was pretty low stakes here. I think the only really super impressive thing he did was when he like knocked those two people together at the very end. That was one of which that was being cool. Terry Crews. Right. I love that Terry Crews is in this movie. This Did is I before he blew that? up. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like when I turned this movie on today, I was like, oh my gosh, that's just Terry Crews. Terry Crews is in this movie. Bill Murray's in this movie. There's a lot of like callbacks, I guess, to the TV show, but I, I didn't really get them. And that's another one of my kind of issues with this movie is that there's a lot of uh they go out of their way to make obvious callbacks to the TV show, but if you're not somebody that's seen this movie, then or seen the TV show, then what? You know, who's that for? And it's such an uncomfortable decision because this movie is not billed to people of that era. You know, this is a movie for our generation, and you know, frankly, our generation hasn't seen this show, so there's kind of a weird dissonance there. It's it's a, it's a really strange decision, and you're right. I mean, it it really happens again and again and again. Uh, it's kind of a strange choice. But one of the things that I, I kind of liked about it, because, you know, all of the old gadgets from the TV show, they didn't just use them as if they were still viable in 2008. They kept them in the, the display case, and Steve Curl had to use them only after he got out of jail and had no other option. I liked that. But I will kind of, I kind of made a note of this is the first time, really, that The Rock has ever been brought in to a franchise that is reviving an old name. So we're getting that now, obviously, with uh, uh, Jumanji. And uh, I feel like there's one more out there. What other movie is he bringing back? Baywatch. Or Baywatch, exactly. Baywatch, yeah. With Baywatch and Jumanji, this was the first time that he really had a a hand in resurrecting an old franchise. And it's, it's interesting you say that. And, you know, we'll get to this at the end of the movie, but we are actually going to debut... Uh, a new kind of rating system at the end of the episode. And that's the Franchise Viagra Test, uh, which is, of course, based on the SNL sketch uh, where The Rock you know, refers to his ability to, to resurrect movie franchises like uh, the Fast and Furious series uh, and give them new life. So it's, it's interesting you say that. This, this very well may have been the first example uh, of that attempt. And we'll break down if it was successful or not at the end. So the next scene that we see The Rock in um, is after Control is attacked, uh, they have like an emergency meeting. Well, really, the only purpose of having this emergency meeting is to resurrect, uh, I guess, an old gadget from the TV show called The Cone of Silence. I will say that The Rock doesn't really do anything in in this. Uh, He really has no lines. So I think it's not really even worth dwelling on. I think we should just move on to the next time that we see The Rock, which is almost an hour later in the movie. So the cone of silence scene is about 18 minutes in the movie. We don't see him again until hour, one hour and 12 minutes into the movie. 
which should tell you everything you need to know about That's this why we movie. got bored. Yeah. I mean, geez. Gosh. The Rock should be in every single scene in this movie. You know why I love game plans? Because The Rock, there wasn't a single scene without The <laughs> He's Rock. He's literally in every frame of that movie. Um, but, but I didn't get rocked out. Uh, and this movie could have used a little more rock in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wonder if there were things that they cut out. Uh, because there, there are certain plot points that seemed like, uh, or plot holes that seemed like they were created by stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. But anyway, the next time we see The Rock is uh, in a phone call. He's on a conference call with uh, Anne Hathaway's character, Agent 99, and the Chief of Control. And this is where The Rock posits that Maxwell is a double agent because every piece of evidence that they've gotten is from when Max was alone. And so Anne Hathaway's character was just taking him on his word. Uh, So then Maxwell is arrested for being a double agent. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty flimsy argument. Uh, I feel like throwing a person in jail, you need a little more, you need to do a little more due diligence there. Yeah, this was based on a single phone call uh, by Agent 23, who, again, has been utterly absent up until this moment of the movie. It's strange to me that his opinion carries this much weight uh, to throw Maxwell, who we've learned is the single greatest analyst at control, into jail. I mean, seems like a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, this movie also kind of pulls a switcheroo uh, in that all of the nerds or the analysts that used to be, you know, basically desk jockeys have to go out in the field and the field agents have to come back and work as analysts because their identities have been exposed. So you get to see all of these, like, basically meatheads back at the control room while Steve Carell's character is out in the field. Yeah, that, that's actually the one scene that they do cut to quickly where Dwayne the Rock Johnson oh, staples right. someone's head because he's been cooped up. Yeah, when they flip kind of sides and Dwayne the Rock Johnson has to be in the office sort of like doing the controls and basically doing what Steve Carell used to do. He gets so frustrated that he actually staples a piece of paper to someone's head. I completely that's, forgot about that's that. That's actually a hysterical moment. It, um, it was. He was complaining about the printer being jammed, which I feel like is a really relatable thing that everybody <laughs> can be like, yeah, yeah, The Rock, I get that too. You shouldn't jam a, jam a printer. <laughs> um, and let's just, let's keep it going though. I know we've got, there's a few more scenes here. I really want to get... Uh, to the, the final scenes of this film. But like we just said, Max is now being thrown in control prison uh, based on this accusation that he's a double agent. And so we see Agent 23 and, again, Anne Hathaway, Agent 99, bringing Max to prison in an SUV. Uh, we find out at that moment that they used to date, that being Agent 23 and Agent 99. This comes up because of a conversation where Max kind of has started to develop romantic feelings for Agent 99. Uh, and it's a, it's a really, again, kind of a, this, it's a kind of awkward, strange little moment. Uh, Steve Carell gets a great line in where when he realizes that they, that Agent 23 and Anne Hathaway once dated, he goes, you and 23, I am so sexually threatened right now. Yeah, uh, he's so deadpan. I think it's that great. Perfect, yes. It's, it's, he it's just good... says what everyone else would be thinking at the moment. <laughs> But I think we should move on. It's it's not much longer, much long after that Max calls Agent 99 after escaping from prison. Uh, and this is the moment where, again, they, they think... I mean, this... I mean, honestly, I might need your guys' help here. This, 
this whole span of plot points happens in like a 15 minute sequence. And I'm, no, I mean, kind of is a confusing, weird. Right. We made time notes of this. So they're driving him to prison at one hour and 13 minutes in. And the next time we see The Rock is an hour and 23 minutes in. And Max has already escaped prison. So he's only in prison for 10 minutes. Personally, I think that they could have cut this entire scene out. I don't really understand why he had to be accused of being a double agent and thrown in jail. It doesn't move the plot along. Really, the only thing it does is it brings up that conversation so that they're able to sort of turn the tables on Agent 23 and accuse him. Yeah, it's it's a really, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I wish they had just kind of cut it out. We do get one good good uh, Dwayne Johnson line out of this where they're on the rooftop and he has a gun pulled on Max and he goes, I'm with Agent 99 on this one. Every time I look at Max's puppy eyes, I'm a goner. And it, it's just, it's a nice little throwback to kind of the bromance they had developing at the beginning. And it's kind of close to the kind of Dwayne Johnson quotes you get in, in recent movies it's it's kind of close to Girl Scout yeah, cookies. Yeah, not and, on your porch selling Girl Scout cookies. Yes, exactly. Like it kind of has that feeling that maybe he put that line in. Like it has that sort of rock flair where it, you kind of get the sense that maybe he just inserted that himself. Well, yeah, I watched nice. I watched a surprising amount of old videos on YouTube of The Rock doing press for this movie <laughs> today. Uh, and that was one of the things that he would bring up time and time again is that there was a lot of improv on the set um and one of the things that he brings up is that that a lot that everyone in this movie was so good at improv that he felt like he just needed to throw himself into it um and that kind of spawned uh, a big plot point later on actually right now uh so during this whole car chase that ensues after uh steve Krell confronts agent 23 uh basically the way that this set piece works is that the chief of control and Steve Carell are in a plane chasing Agent 23, who has kidnapped Agent 99. And this whole chase ensues. Uh, Steve Carell uses uh, the banner behind the plane to get on top of the car, get inside the car, and really go hand-to-hand with Agent 23, which is a little... I mean, this movie's not really realistic at all, but come on. Steve Carell versus Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Who's winning in that fight? Ne- would never happen. Anyway, so uh, the car ends up going on the train tracks. Uh, Agent 99 is thrown to safety from the car right before it hits uh, a train carrying Agent 99 or Agent 23 and Steve Carell. There's this whole moment where you think Steve Carell's character has died. Turns out he's alive. And Agent uh, Agent 23 is the one who died. So we think. So we think. It's never explicitly said. Yeah. Um, and this, there is, I have to say, there's a little bit of interesting dialogue in the middle of this. Uh, yeah. Do you want to do like a line reading? Yeah. Let's, I'll be, let's... <laughs> uh, I'll be Dwayne Johnson. Okay. Let's go. All right. <clears throat> it's not over, Max. I'll take that briefcase. If you want it, you'll have to take it. That's what I just said. I know. I'm just trying to annoy you. <laughs> and I like how they're still <clears throat> quipping, even though. Right. Uh, this, Okay. Another problem I had with this? That was, by the way, that was, you know, if they're looking for people for the sequel, (laughs) I think we just... We're definitely cheaper than those two actors, (laughs) so uh, get at us, Universal, or whoever uh, made this movie. But one of my biggest problems with this stunt is that, how long is this car driving without somebody in the driver? 
that's uh, in the driver's seat. Yeah. Well, he does put it into autopilot or what's autopilot for a car? Like cruise control. Cruise control. I haven't driven a car in a while. Yeah. So he does put it in cruise control. You do see him put it into cruise control. Oh, see, I but like, that. I just feel like they also endangered a lot of people's lives, and they definitely say something about that earlier in the movie, where they're like, "We have to save everybody," and then like, here they are, like on this high speed, like <laughs> plane slash car slash train chase, just taking just people taking out, taking people out, like left and right. There's cars driving off bridges. It's like, I don't know about this guys. Like you clearly don't care that much about other people's lives. That was yeah, something this is... that Jordan, Jordan and I talked about a little bit. Uh, the body count and this yeah, is insanely incredibly high. high. Uh, Steve Krell is just wasting people yeah. at one point. Everyone is dying in this movie. <laughs> Um, but, but you know what? It's hilarious that he's the one doing it. It's not, it's not a movie where the rock is killing, you know, just limitless goons over and over and over again. Right. Uh, but the way that this movie deals with death is so weird. Sometimes they do this one cutscene early in the movie when they, where they've just explained that all of their field agents have had their identities revealed. And then they do and this they, they crazy just... montage. It's like, it has comedic music under it, but it just shows uh, field agent after field agent being assassinated. It's really rough. And like, and their faces falling into their plate of spaghetti. There's a lot of movie tropes in this movie, and I can't tell if they're being facetious and adding them, or if they're just being lazy. Yeah, and it's and it's also you know how we kind of touched on the 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 kind of ingrained insensitivity throughout <laughs> the way this movie handles death definitely falls in that category. Well, yeah, it was pre Obama. I mean, you can't really blame people. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, you know, that's how this movie wraps up. Oh, do we want to do the kiss? Yeah, the kiss, the the kiss. kiss. We have to talk about this So one of the things that happens, and this is apparently Dwayne Johnson's idea to put this in the movie. This was his big funny idea (laughs) is for, uh, so Agent 23 has Max pinned down on the roof of his car. You think that Max is done for. And the only way that Max can get out is kissing Dwayne Johnson and then escaping. And it's played as if, Two men kissing is the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. I feel like this is, again, very 2008. Like, we... Yeah, same-sex marriage wasn't legal. Yeah, 2017, if two dudes kissed on screen, it would be like, okay. Yeah, you know, so this is just another example of 2008 humor right here. (laughs) And and it's a weird... This is something that, Charlie, we've, we've talked about a little bit this week. In the news, quite recently, actually... The Rock has been very vocal about his, you know, his feminism and he's kind of veered away from from where he once was, you know, speaking at GOP conventions. Uh, he's now, yeah, now he's tweeting at Elizabeth Warren. Right. And, and he's a registered independent. It's funny to me that, you know, this is the kind of of movie uh, insert. You know, he's he specifically inserted this this very. Uh, unsubtle homophobic gag at the end of this movie. But again, he seems to transcend any kind of like negative press. It's like, it's just funny to me that this kind of stuff is prevalent in a lot of his movies. You know, this hyper-masculine singular idea of what it means to be a man. This kind of stuff is littered throughout his movies, but he's immune to it, immune to any kind of criticism of it. I'm just fascinated by it. Well, yeah, and I think he's also making choices today that, or he he was making choices back then that he wouldn't today. I think this movie would have looked quite a bit different. I mean, 2008 doesn't seem like all that long ago, but it was, you know, uh, nine years ago. And 
you know, people change, politics have changed, and people's opinions have changed. So, yeah, this movie could not, would not be well-received if it came out in theaters today. And I know that we talked about uh, that kiss, but there's one more kiss at the end of this movie I just we just have to oh. discuss. And that's the kiss between Max and Agent 99, again, played by Anne Hathaway. That is so uncomfortable. What's the age difference there? I mean, he, he could be so, her dad. So when this movie, yes, uh, he could. Physiologically, he could. <laughs> Uh, when this movie was being produced, Anne Hathaway was 24 and Steve Carell was 44. There's a 20-year age difference. <laughs> uh, and it's a little creepy, especially since Steve Carell is an executive producer of this movie and is involved in the casting. So this was like kind of his decision to make this happen. Oh, I find that so gnarly. It, it, and, and it the comes way, off weird. It comes yeah, off the weird. way they kind of skirt around that is they, they mention that Anne Hathaway is actually older and she got facial reconstructive uh, surgery after her identity was found out to make her look younger. So really, they're close. I don't know. I just felt like it was a weird way of shoehorning in a way that these two people who had more chemistry than I would have imagined, a way to make it more normal. I don't know. I didn't personally think the chemistry was that not the romantic chemistry was not that great. Between right, the, the romantic chemistry. I thought right. they had great like just comedic. buddy buddy comedic chemistry. Like they Definitely. They, they paired well as partners, but yeah, then forcing this weird romantic It didn't thing. need it. It they didn't at all. Exactly. They could have just been partners. You know, speaking as a twenty four year old woman, I probably wouldn't be super into making out with forty four year olds for for movies. <laughs> Even if it is Steve Carell, he is a silver fox now, so I don't know. But That's right. That is a weird recent development yeah, that I was yeah. not expecting. So it's like 2008 Steve Carell versus like 2017 Steve Carell. Would we still be having the same conversation? I don't know. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've only got a few minutes left here. I really want to kick it to our final, final thoughts slash our brand new franchise Viagra test. Again, we're going to try a new system for this for this movie of how of how likely it was that the rock's presence in this film could single-handedly inject a like a new kind of enthusiasm, energy uh and and momentum for this film. Some folks in the industry have even referred to me as <laughs> franchise Viagra. And we're going to rank it on three basic tenets. Uh, they're the same ones that we use for the superlatives. That's charisma. You know, how charming is Dwayne Johnson? Does he have compelling one-liners? Is he is he charismatic? Uh, his physique. How does Dwayne Johnson look? Is he is he buff? Uh, is it is it a you know kind of a skin ploitation type of a <laughs> of a of a pick where he's you know it's a lot of a lot of sweaty sweaty muscles and hard work. You know, is he giving this movie his all? Can you tell that he's you know, acting his butt off. Is there anything really amazing stunt-wise or 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 uh, co- comedic comedy-wise that that compels you to think that he put a lot of hard work in? Uh, and based on those three factors, we'll determine if if Dwayne Johnson was in fact franchised Viagra. So, Grace, I want to start with you. This is your sure. favorite rock movie. <laughs> you know, where do you think his performance falls? Was was he the franchise Viagra for Get Smart? Well, I personally think Dwayne was a delight in this movie. And I think we've already really discussed this, that 
the beginning, it was so great seeing him being like, you know, really good friends with Steve Carell, really supporting his character. Like that was really fun to watch. And I really did enjoy watching it. I think the thing I was most frustrated with, with this movie was that they never explained his motivation for being a double agent. Yep. And that to me was just like, okay, sure. You're a double agent, but why? So that's where just like the ending fell flat. Um, and that really has nothing to do with Dwayne, the rock Johnson's acting abilities. That's really just a script issue. So um, I think overall in this movie, I think he only added to it. I thought he did a really great job. Every time he was on screen, I was happy to see him. Um, I think in terms of his hard work, you could see like he wasn't coasting. I don't think, I think every time he, he, he really, you know, he really was like getting into it and, you know, laughing at the joke, you know, just like being a part of the, of part of the movie, which I thought was great. So I, I really did enjoy seeing him in this movie. Um, and I thought he added a lot to it. So it's a yes from grace and grace. If you had to rank this movie, uh, on a scale of agent one to agent 99, where, where does this fall for you? Um, I give it, I give it like an agent 75. Okay. I thought, you know, I, I, I truly did enjoy seeing this movie. I thought it held up from when I saw it back in 2008, but you know, the ending was, I wish the ending had been a little bit cleaner, a little bit tighter. And they had just explained to us why the rock decided he was a double agent at the end. So that's, those are my only complaints. Charlie was Dwayne Johnson franchise Viagra for get smart. And, uh, either way, uh, what's your ranking for this movie? Okay. This is where I'm conflicted because in so many movies, I feel like The Rock is better than the movie he's in. Like, even if it's not a great movie, like The Tooth Fairy is a perfect example. Terrible movie, but he is working his butt off. He is, uh, he is, he's charismatic and he's trying. He looks great. But this movie, to me, was sort of the opposite. And I'm having a really hard time admitting that to myself and to you all uh, because I love him so much. Yes, he's, he's charming, but he's really only charming in the first 20 minutes of this movie. And I get that he's gone for half of it, but I have to ding him for that. Uh, there's a real lack of one-liners. The, the things that we go to Dwayne Johnson movies to see uh, are notably absent from this movie. He, obviously, he looks great. Actually, I think this period in his career, he looks the best because, uh, you know, we discussed this at length. He's, he looks normal. He looks like a real human person. <laughs> Uh, hard work. I know, Dwayne, I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Big fan please, of the show, Dwayne. Please don't come after me. And maybe it's, it was a script problem, but more than any other Dwayne Johnson movie that I've seen, he is in scenes where he is doing nothing. There, there was a couple of different scenes where he's just kind of wallpaper. And you know what? He, he, he needs to do better than that. And I, I know that that could be a script problem. But when we compare it to other movies that we've done on this podcast, it doesn't quite live up to his the, the work that we've previously looked at. So I don't think he's franchise Viagra. I wouldn't really want to see a, a sequel, which is really what the franchise Viagra test answers the question of, is would you see another one of these movies? Uh, so if I'm going to give a rating on Agent 1 to Agent 99, I'm gonna, uh, the movie I liked better than his performance, which is rare, so I'm going to give it an Agent 63. It's on the better end of fine. I think that's a, that's a really fair assessment. And, and for myself, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and, and just say it. I do not think that The Rock 
was franchise Viagra for this film. Uh, you know, like you said, if this the, the test really determines if you'd want to go see a second movie. When you look at films that The Rock has been in, like Fast and Furious, like Pain and Gain, like the Tooth Fairy, like you said, G.I. Joe, uh, Moana, uh, for me, The Rock himself is enough to sell the rest of the movie. Uh, And he does that through one-liners. He does that through sheer force and charismatic will. And, And he pretty much dominates most scenes that he's in. This film, I think, is the exception to the rule, I do. I will agree that in the first twenty to thirty minutes of this film, I do think he dominates. I do think he's hilarious, and I think he's a scene stealer. But it isn't long before he's absent from the movie, and I do think he was vastly underutilized. And again, I don't fault him for that. I do. I do fault the the directorial team. But uh, you know, I've got to be fair to the ranking system. I don't think that he was franchise Viagra. I think he made a pretty weak villain uh, as well at the end of this film. If I had to rate it. Uh, between Agent 1 and Agent 99. I'd probably give the movie somewhere close to an Agent 70. I'd probably give his performance close to an Agent 50. Sheerly based on the fact that, you know, I can't tell you more than two lines of this movie that were memorable for me. Uh, And that, to me, is... That aren't Steve Carell's lines. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. I guess my biggest problem with this Dwayne Johnson movie is that it's not a Dwayne Johnson movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And he was third build, and that you know what? When somebody's third build, you expect to see them a lot more in a movie, and he's really only in it. I would say, if you combine all the minutes, he's really probably only in it for 20, 25 minutes of this almost two-hour movie. Yeah. So that just about does it for us at Rock Talk. Uh, we have we have pushed the upper limits of of our of our time length. So thank you for staying with us and hearing us out today at, for Get Smart, Grace. A big thank you. Uh, to our, our good friend Grace Osella. Grace, it was lovely having you. You were wonderful. Uh, we really appreciate your insight, so thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I had a great time. We will absolutely invite you back. So, oh, so pick pick a rock movie, any oh rock gosh, movie, and wow. we'll get to work. I'm gonna have to study up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and before we let you go, I just uh, Charlie, would you mind just reminding everyone about our giveaway just one more time before we get out of here? Yeah. So we're gonna do. We're doing another giveaway. It was announced yesterday, and the way you, you're gonna uh, enter this giveaway for uh, a two of a kind rock talk tank top is to get on iTunes, leave us a review. We want those reviews. That is the number one way that you can help out the podcast. The more reviews you leave, the more notoriety that this podcast gets, and the more likely that we are to finish what we started. And we want to do it, but we need your help to make that happen. So get on iTunes. Leave us a review and then send us a Facebook message telling us which review is yours and you'll automatically be entered to win a, a really great looking Rock Talk tank top. So get on iTunes and get on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, this is Rock Talk. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.